0: Welcome back, Buckeye Nation. Today is the day where we preview and analyze Ohio State's 2023 football season. But before we dive into the deep end of that conversation, please comment your own thoughts, analysis, opinions, and predictions regarding the Buckeye 2023 football season down in the comments below. Please go the extra mile. I would appreciate it a lot, and include your own record prediction for the regular season and the postseason for Ohio State. Whether you think that Ohio State will go 10 and 3 and lose in a New Year Six Bowl game, or whether you think they're going to go 15 and 0 and win it all, please comment your thoughts and opinions down below. I'd love to hear from you, and also reply to your comment. Also please subscribe to this channel and hit the notification bell so you can get notified when more Ohio State football, Big Ten football, and college football content is released, and like this video so we can get it into the algorithm. I'm a Michigan fan. I'm just going to put that out there, but any Ohio State fan who listens to this channel will tell you that I am as objective as it gets when it comes to Michigan, Ohio State, and the Big Ten. Now, in talking about Ohio State and also relating it back to Michigan, though we're going to be, of course, focusing on the Buckeyes today, Ohio State has had the Big Ten taken from them over the past two seasons, and it hasn't felt good. Going 11-2 and in 2021 and also in 2022, that would be a record that Michigan State, for example, would kill for. For Mel Tucker to do that for two years in a row would be well, holy cow, we might have a contender building. But for Ohio State, that's disappointing. Going 11-2, and back-to-back years, missing out on Indy for back-to-back years, losing to Michigan in back-to-back years, and not reaching the national championship game for two years in a row, those are disappointing feats. What Ohio State's identity, according to many outsiders and some even Ohio State fans, I would say, and I can understand why this is the perception, but I disagree with it, is that Ohio State is a soft team who has some pizzazz and finesse and has the number one offense in the country, and they have the best skill position players, especially at wide receiver, but they can't do anything else. Their lines of scrimmage are weak, their defense is discombobulated, and they are inconsistent. At developing talent. Well, even though that perception may be understandable, and even though Michigan has been the better program developmentally, they've been the better Big Ten program, I think this season, and I'm only saying this now because I've made Big Ten prediction videos, I've made a top 25 that also includes postseason predictions and schedules, and I've talked about this several times before. I think Michigan's the best team in the country, I think they're winning the national title this year. And I think their offensive line and running back room and quarterback and also defense will be so good that they will be able to play smash mouth football and obliterate almost any opponent in the power five. And I think that really it's only Georgia and Ohio State who can stop this Michigan team, who can limit this Michigan team. And I have Michigan going 15 and 0 and winning it all. But if Michigan is not the team to do it, Ohio State, in my opinion, is right next in line. They are nearly neck and neck with Michigan, which is why the game is so important, and it has been that way for the past two seasons. Michigan or Ohio State win the game in 21 and 22. Their teams are a lock for the college football playoff. A lock. And as Ohio State showed us last season, schematically, And definitely over the past two years, because of how Ohio State is built, they would do more favorably, typically, in the college football playoff than Michigan would. They have the wide receivers to make Georgia and Alabama's defense look like a playground full of schoolchildren, because that's how good Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Igbuka and C.J. Stroud are, along with Ohio State's traditionally strong offensive tackle room, which we'll talk about how I think that will perform this year as well. But for Ohio State, the fan base is frustrated at Ryan Day. That's understandable. And there's this perception of doubt. There's I've seen a lot of people cast doubt surrounding Ohio State for the 2023 season. There are many people who have Michigan and Penn State ranked ahead of Ohio State. And there are many people who question why Ohio State was ranked in the top 4. And I'm of the opinion that Ohio State is one of the best teams in the country this year. And despite the fact that I don't have Ohio State winning the national title or winning the Big Ten, I find it surprising that I am higher on Ohio State than most college football fans and analysts are. And the only reason I don't have them winning at all or winning the Big Ten is because I think Michigan exists, and I think Michigan will be that good. But Ohio State returns... A ton of players on defense, like JT Molau, for example. Michael Hall, who had some injuries last year returns. Jack Sawyer comes back. Defensively, Tommy Eichenberg and Seal Chambers come back. CJ Hicks should be a great redshirt freshman. And Cody Simon, the senior, provides some additional experience, along with seniors Eichenberg and Chambers. The secondary returns Denzel Burke, Lathan Ransom, Josh Proctor. Cameron Martinez, tons of players who started, and they bring three incoming transfers who are anywhere from good to near elite players. Offensively, we'll talk about them more in depth, but we already know that Ryan Day is at least going to have a near elite offense. And with Brian Hartline still at the school, still coaching the wide receivers, and being the best recruiter for Ohio State outside of maybe Larry Johnson, we know that the wide receiver room will be the best in the nation with Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Igbuka, in my opinion, being the two best wide receivers, the two best wide receivers in all of college football. And they return after having 1,000-yard years in 2022. So the expectations are obviously going to be high. Yes, Ohio State loses C.J. Stroud, but that is kind of a redundant point anyway. Um... Case in point, and something that's sort of funny in retrospect, it was rumored that C.J. Stroud was going to return to Ohio State with an NIL package, and if C.J. Stroud returned to Ohio State, my opinions about the Buckeyes may have been slightly different. Maybe I would have had them at number one, and that's a legitimate point. However, the fact that C.J. Stroud left and I have them at number two, and I'm still talking about them this high— is me trying to communicate to you that Ohio State should reload at quarterback. I don't think Kyle McCord or Devin Brown will be as good as C.J. Stroud was in 21 or 22, but there's a chance that they will be. I think that they certainly have a better wide receiver room than C.J. Stroud ever had, with how good Carnell Tate has looked in fall camp, Jaden Ballard could have a breakout year, if Julian Fleming is healthy, he's near elite, and Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best wide receiver, in my opinion, that Brian Hartline has coached. And Emeka Igbuka was a five star out of high school, and he's a lead as well. So, quarterback, I don't think is nearly as big of a concern as people are making it out to be. I have had some friends tell me and jest in conversation that they find it funny that college football fans think they know more about the quarterback room than Ryan Day. When Ryan Day is put three first-round quarterbacks into the NFL, and Dwayne Haskins, rest in peace, he sadly passed away, Justin Fields, well, I think that he'll take a bigger step forward with the Bears this year now that he has a supporting cast, and C.J. Stroud, it's still the NFL preseason, but Ryan Day, I mean, built him into college football's best quarterback in 2021 and in 2022. In my mind. And of course, it's debatable as to whether Bryce Young or him were better, but those were definitely the the top two quarterbacks in my mind in 21. Caleb Williams could have maybe competed with them in 22. But I do think that last year, a lot of Caleb Williams was, to a certain degree, a product of Lincoln Riley's offense. But you could you could argue the same thing with CJ Stroud. And then Bryce Young was just put in an impossible position with how bad that Alabama team was. By Nick Saban standards, of course. And speaking of standards for Ohio State, quarterback departing doesn't matter. Josh Fryer starting after Paris Johnson Jr. left doesn't matter. Um, Defensively, for example, it doesn't matter that Zach Harrison left or Jerron Cage left or that Cameron Brown left or that Noah Ruggles left. It doesn't matter that anyone leaves. This is Ohio State. Ohio State has been the most consistent program since the end of the Second World War. They have a rich history. They, from a recruiting standpoint, are up there with Alabama and Georgia, and that's saying something because no one else is. Those are the guaranteed top three programs in both being elite in recruiting and at developing. Michigan is elite at developing. They're not elite at recruiting. Texas Elite at recruiting, I don't necessarily know if they're elite at developing, but I'm going to say no. They're probably good to great for now. USC, they're near elite at recruiting under Lincoln Riley, but Lincoln Riley has never had a top three recruiting class, and his development has been questionable. For example, Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia have the best players. They have some of the best staffs in the land as well. And they have some of the richest histories in college football, especially Alabama and Ohio State. And Georgia recently, they've been the best team in the land for the past two seasons. So expectations come with those programs. And going 22-4 and four in the past two seasons at most programs would be impressive. That would be phenomenal. But at Ohio State, that's like achieving just above, just above the bare minimum, if not the bare minimum, and Ohio State fans and the athletic department does not put up with the bare minimum for a long time. Now, that's not me saying that Ryan Day is on the hot seat this year because that's ridiculous. Ryan Day is not being fired unless they go, let's say, eight and five or maybe a nine and four, but all four of the losses are blowouts, which I don't even think is this team's floor. There is no way, there's no way, none, that Ohio State is going nine and four especially 8-5. and five. And the worst that Ohio State has been under Ryan Day is a Rose Bowl win and a college football playoff berth that was a one-point loss to a 15-0 and 0 team. And if Ohio State wins that game, well, they clobber TCU too. TCU used all their energy to beat Michigan, to barely beat Michigan, who had one of their worst games of the past two years themselves. And then they faced Georgia. And it's not because in an average matchup Georgia would have won by 60 no it's because TCU was already a far inferior team to Georgia and then they played their worst game of the year and, and Georgia played their best game of the year that's why 65 to 7 happened for Ohio State i imagine it would have been sli- it would have been similar and the Buckeyes this year Georgia loses so much production Stetson Bennett's gone um Kenny McIntosh gone on defense, Nolan Smith is gone, Jalen Carter gone, Christopher Smith, Keeley Ringo. There are definitely names I'm missing. A.D. Mitchell, who's been a huge contributor in the college football playoffs, he's gone. Done. Off to Texas, where I think he's going to have a, a good season for sure. Very, very athletic, nearly wide receiver. Georgia loses so much, and then Alabama loses even more. Will Anderson, gone. Parts of their offensive line gone. Jameer Gibbs, who along with Bryce Young carried that offense off to the Lions. Bryce Young off to the Carolina Panthers. Um Cameron Latu. He's gone. And then so on and so forth. And their wide receiver room and the players who return, in my opinion, were some of the mediocre, above-average players by Alabama standards on the roster. They were not the elite players. Ohio State returns an elite player that you see right here on the screen, and then another in Mecca Igbuka, and another potentially elite player who I think will break out this year in JT, Tui Mo'olau. They return Tommy Eikenberg, who is an all-American caliber linebacker. They return Steel Chambers, who some Ohio State fans tell me has a higher upside than Eichenberg, which is terrifying. Denzel Burke returns, and he had a great 2021 year. And Donovan Jackson and Matthew Jones come back, and that's one of the best guard duos in all of college football. And if Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson are healthy, that plus the guard room is going to equal disaster for any run defense in college football. There is just so much, in on paper, in theory, and from what we've seen in the past from Ryan Day, even in practice, that goes in Ohio State's favor. Heck. Jim Knowles being in year two of his scheme and returning the majority of defensive production and starters bodes well given his history and given the history of any defensive coordinator who's changing the identity and scheme on the defense. Ohio State nationally looking at recruiting, returning production, them and Michigan are neck and neck for multiple things. I give Michigan The edge in development. I think Michigan has the best combination of experience, development, and toughness. Let's say Ohio state has the best combination of raw upside and experience. They're not as experienced as Michigan, but their raw upside, just from a recruiting standpoint, is better than Michigan's. It's actually quite better than Michigan's, but that's just from recruiting. So there are two lenses or multiple lenses to look at things in life and in football. And I have Michigan as my number one team, which means from my perspective, there are more outcomes and lenses that would have Michigan being the best combination of multiple worlds. I think Michigan has the better defense, the better special teams, the better offensive line. But Ohio State is the better wide receivers. They may not have the better individual quarterback, but they have two quarterbacks who are at a near-elite level of play, in my mind, if Kyle McCord, let's say, gets injured, and Devin Brown comes in, Ohio State's season probably hums along. You can't say that with Michigan, because they have J.J. McCarthy, and then the room jumps off big time after McCarthy. With this combination of raw upside depth and experience, the expectation for Ohio State is you win the Big Ten. You win the Big Ten. Otherwise, the season is a disappointment. For Michigan as I've said in my Michigan video, and I'll link that down below in the description, along with my Big Ten and Top 25 videos, which you should check out, my Big Ten predictions and my Top 25 video with predictions. Please check those out if you haven't already. Michigan and Ohio State, the expectation is to go 14-1, and one, typically. There are exceptions to this, of course. For example, if, let's say, Michigan goes 14-0, they win the Big Ten, they win their semifinal game, they go undefeated, and Ohio State goes 12-1, and and they rematch in the national title. If these teams rematch in the national title, win every other game, and one of them loses the game, and then they split for 2023, maybe Michigan wins in the regular season but loses in the national title, or Michigan loses in Ann Arbor but wins the national championship game... That would be the only outcome in which one of these teams isn't a disappointment. The only outcome. And even then, there would be, there would be anger and disappointment, because Ohio State, they go 13-1 and and beat Michigan in the national title. Yes, they have the last laugh, but they didn't win the Big Ten, and Michigan beat them in the regular season. And for Michigan, on that same scenario, well, they lost in the national title to their most hated rival. That's painful and then it would be the same if the those scenarios were flipped and maybe Michigan goes 13 and 1 and wins it all and Ohio State goes 14 and 1 but loses to Michigan in the national championship the game is critical to the Big 10 and to who I think are the two best teams in the sport for this season and with the experience that they have the development and the talent this is the year in a certain sense for both programs Obviously, Ohio State, on paper, due to recruiting, will have an easier time reloading in 2024 than Michigan will. However, both teams will lose a plethora of players who will be drafted. I expect both teams to have over 10 players taken in the 2024 NFL draft. Both teams. They'll have 10 10 or more players taken. I think Michigan will break Georgia's record for total NFL players taken in a single draft. Ohio State, by NFL draft experts and projections, could tie or break the record for the number of selections in the first round alone. This roster is extremely talented. I think the staff is amongst the best in the nation. Kyle McCord or Devin Brown could be first-round quarterbacks one day. Henderson's projected to be a first-round running back, and even though that's the case, I think he'll be the backup behind Mayan Williams. Mayan Williams is a great running back when healthy. He led the team in rushing yards last year with 825, averaging 6.4 yards per carry and having 14 rushing touchdowns on 128 carries. Behind him will be Travion Henderson and Allen Hayden, who had around 550 yards each. Henderson had six rushing touchdowns, Hayden had five rushing touchdowns, Chip Traynham, Will also be in the running back room. He had nearly a hundred rushing yards last year, on 15 carries, and also Evan Pryor, who has had some pretty bad injuries over the past few seasons. He'll be hopefully healthy, and he may get in the rotation as well. Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State, all in the Big Ten East, have the top three running back rooms in college football. I think the order goes: Michigan one, Ohio State two. Penn State 3, but there's an argument for them to be in any specific order, especially since Michigan's Benjamin Hall had a breakout spring game, which helped Michigan's depth, and Penn State added Trey Potts from Minnesota, which helps their depth as well. Those running back rooms are pretty neck and neck, in my opinion. For Ohio State, we don't even need to talk about their wide receiver room. Marvin Harrison Jr. is an awesome athlete. He'll win the Bolitnikoff Award this season, I have Marvin Harrison Jr. getting more receiving yards than he did last year, more receiving touchdowns, and having a having a really just better style of play. Like he'll improve in all aspects, and this is with an Ohio State team that I think will run the ball more than they did last year, due to their offensive line now being fully in the power gear. And being stronger in the interior, and also their running back room returning all of their production. Meanwhile, the passing game, the pass protection at offensive line, and quarterback has a lack of returning experience in a plethora of areas. Tight end with Cade Stover will be solid. The defensive line, linebacker room, and defensive back rooms, I think, will all be near elite to elite. And that may shock people. But I think that Ohio State's secondary, when you bring in Davison Igbenoson, Lorenzo Styles, and Jahad Carter, all of whom were ranked four-star transfers, I believe, according to 24-7 sports transfer rankings, with Igbonosen, I think, being a ninety-four, Carter being a ninety-three. I I'm not as confident on this. I think Lorenzo Styles was ranked a ninety. And these guys have experience. Carter's a senior. Igbenosan was a freshman All-American, and Lorenzo Stiles Jr. is a a legacy recruit. His father played at Ohio State, and he was practicing at Notre Dame when he was there after 2022 with the defensive back. So he has some experience at that position, but also as a wide receiver. So the roster's in good shape. The staff returns most, if not all, of their coaches from last year Larry Johnson returns, Tim Walton and Perry Alano return, Jim Knowles comes back, Justin Fry returns on the offensive line, Um, Ryan Day, obviously the head coach, returns, and then Parker Fleming, the special teams coordinator. That's a coordinator to watch. I think that special teams for Ohio State could be a strength for the team finally this year, but if the special teams unit has a blunder once again, Jaden Fielding, Casey Maguire, and Parker Lewis are competing for those kicking jobs, I think specifically Jaden Fielding and Parker Lewis are competing, then he could be a coordinator that is let go after 2023. And on running backs, Tony Alford, he's still the running backs coach, and Brian Hartline's the OC and the wide receivers coach. I think Ohio State will go 12-2, 8-1 in the Big Ten, I think they'll have the number one offense in America. My power rankings disagrees and thinks they'll have the number three offense. I agree with my PPI, though. Defensively, I think Ohio State will have a defense that is only behind Michigan's and Georgia's this season. Overall, they're the second best team in the country. They will plow through Notre Dame, Maryland, Purdue, Penn State. Wisconsin will be a challenge, I think. Luke Fickle will have some extra motivation They have the best staff outside of Michigan on Ohio State's schedule, and it's a road game after a hard-fought but dominating win over Penn State. The Buckeyes will nonetheless resume their trek of dominance against Rutgers, Michigan State, and Minnesota. Michigan, I think, has a mental advantage, a schematic advantage, and in the case of the regular season, a home field advantage. Along with a roster advantage, there's so many things that point Michigan To winning against Ohio State. So I think Michigan wins this year, both in the regular season and in the national title. But there's an argument that Ohio State's raw talent, and also their defense and offense becoming more physical, will help them control the game and play it closer with Michigan. And a hard-fought battle that's close between the Wolverines and the Buckeyes can be anyone's game. See 2016, that was anyone's game for all four quarters. I do think they get revenge over Georgia, though, blowing out the Bulldogs like they did the Tigers in 2020, winning 52-24 in what would be one of the more explosive playoff games of all time. Some projections for Ohio State. I think that the Buckeyes will earn 0.668 play, um, points pardon me, per offensive play. They will pass for over 300 yards this season. I think that Kyle McCord or Devin Brown, whoever starts, will have a good arm. They're coached by one of the best quarterback developers in the country, in Ryan Day, and they have Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, seriously, they have Marvin Harrison Jr. as their wide receiver one, Emeka Igbuka as their wide receiver two, and Carnell Tate, Jaden Ballard, Julian Fleming, Are other wide receivers? They will have players who will have mismatches that are favorable to Ohio State in basically every game and every matchup against every linebacker or defensive back. So I would expect Ohio State's passing game to stay relatively the same, if not improve. Not because again the quarterbacks are an improvement over um I was about to say Justin Fields but C J Stroud. It's rather because. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigbo was hurt last year. Obviously, the staff or any staff doesn't plan for injuries, and that did hamper Ohio State at times through last year. If the wide receivers can stay healthy for the whole year like they did in 2021, even with a drop-off at quarterback and pass protection, there's a real chance that the passing game will improve. The running game will definitely improve. Ohio State is rushing for more than 250 yards per game this season. It won't be like Michigan who's running for well over 250 per game, but this rushing attack will be one of the most dominant in college football. I didn't use these specific statistics, but I did do stat projections for almost the entirety of Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. I just want to share the stat projections that I have for Ohio State's running backs. Mayan Williams, I have rushing for 1,346 yards. I have Henderson rushing for 1,113 yards. I have Trainham and Hayden earning more than 400 yards each. And I have Evan Pryor breaking over 100 yards. Williams will have 18 touchdowns and average 6.6 yards per carry. Henderson will have 12 rushing touchdowns, 3 receiving yards. Not receiving yards, but receiving touchdowns, averaging 6.4 yards per carry. Trainum will have 6 rushing touchdowns. Hayden will have 4. Evan Pryor will have one. Those are just some of the statistics for Ohio State's running back room that I have projected for this year. Ohio State will have 92 total touchdowns, though a handful of those will be defensive touchdowns, as I think this defense will be explosive. They'll have 14 field goals. I don't think the kicking game will be as accurate as Noah Ruggles' kicking game was, but I have heard that Parker Lewis, who transferred in from USC— I think at the beginning of the 2022 season, I've heard that he's had a stronger leg than Noah Ruggles, so the kicking game will look different, but it'll have its ups and its downs, it won't be perfect, or maybe as great as, let's say, Jake Moody's, but it won't be as bad as, let's say, Michigan State's, and it will lean closer to Michigan's than the curse that was Ben Patton, or Scott Frost's entire special teams unit in 2021, The defense will have over three sacks per game with 3.36, the 14 interceptions, and 55, 55 passes defended. The secondary will look much like the 2019 secondary. It won't be as good in my mind, but it will be better than the 2021 secondary. And 2021 secondary was not the problem. That was the front seven, and the front seven will be good as well this season as you see with how I think Tommy Eichenberg will perform this season, but before we get to Tommy Eichenberg, I want to talk about Marvin Harrison Jr., who is my offensive MVP for the Ohio State Buckeyes. I think Harrison Jr. will have 88 receptions, 1,496 yards, 16 touchdowns, and average 17 yards per reception. He will be explosive. Marvin Harrison Jr. is a he's a terminator. Like, I'm not going to say freak athlete. I'm not going to say a beast. I'm not going to say any of that. He's a terminator, a different kind of player than even the athletic freak. That's what Marvin Harrison Jr. is. He's a terminator. You cannot stop him. The only way to stop him is to make sure he doesn't play. That that's the only way. That's the only way to stop him. You can't even limit him. It, it's so hard to do. Even Michigan beating Ohio State last year, he still had a long receiving touchdown that was explosive. You can't stop Marvin Harrison Jr. You just can't do it. I think that he'll have close to or around 1,500 receiving yards. He'll have 16 receiving touchdowns, and he'll win the Bulletnikov Award for sure. Will he go to the Heisman ceremony? I thought that that hype was almost pumping his season full of hot air for no reason. I think that the style of game that Ohio State will need to play to alleviate some of their tackle issues will mean that they're going to pass less, so I don't think he'll reach the Heisman ceremony, but he does have the potential to, along with, let's say, Blake Corum or Donovan Edwards at Michigan, where Michigan's going to be feeding them the ball, and they could get lots of yards and lots of touchdowns, depending on... How the regular season goes, or maybe JJ McCarthy at quarterback, or for Ohio State, Kyle McCord, or whoever starts at quarterback for them, or maybe even Henderson or Williams. I mean, pay attention, guys, to Ohio State's skill position players everywhere. Or JT Tui Molau. If he has three or four games like the one against Penn State last year, he will go to the Heisman ceremony. So there's plenty of elite players. Tommy Eichenberg is another one. I think he gets over 100 total tackles, well over 100. He'll have three and a half sacks, a forced fumble, a pick, and four passes defended. And also on defense, Davison Igbenosen. Davison Igbenosen, I've heard the staff refer to him as a corner, a safety, noseback. I've heard Ohio State fans say the same thing. So you could just list him as a defensive back. I think that he could play multiple positions on that secondary this year because, A, he's just that good, and he has the body type and skill set to really play anywhere on the field, whether it's corner, nose back, safety. He is that good of a player. He'll have 58 total tackles, a forced fumble, four interceptions, and seven passes defended and solidify himself as one of the best defensive backs in the nation. This team is loaded, and the defense is underrated. I mean, the offense, I think, is too, because the fact that people, for example, think that Drew Aller, or that Hudson Card, or Cade McNamara, or Talia Tagovailoa, or Tanner Mordecai are better than Kyle McCord or Devin Brown. I don't believe that. I think the only quarterback who is likely guaranteed to be better and this is not even a guarantee, I might have made a mistake using that word, would be J.J. McCarthy at Michigan because he has a year of starting experience. He was a top 20 quarterback last year in efficiency. He's easily top 10 when it comes to raw talent, and he should be top 10 in efficiency this year. But outside of him, you look at the Big Ten and every other quarterback has their questions along with Ohio State's. And from there, I would go down to development. Who has the best reputation? And Ohio State and Ryan Day have a better reputation than anyone in the conference by a mile when it comes to quarterbacks. So do me a favor, no matter what team you're a fan of, stop questioning the quarterbacks. Just don't do it. It, You you will regret that decision. And if I'm wrong, then I will come out and say, well, geez, guys, I thought that Ryan Day was a guru, guru with every quarterback, but either he's not or McCord is just that bad. I'll say that, but... I need to see that happen before I believe it. I'm going with what I know. I'm not going to make a bold prediction and say that Ohio State's quarterback isn't going to be impressive this year because I just don't think that's true. I think that Ryan Day will field one of the best teams in college football despite losing C.J. Stroud. My opinion is that as, as the season goes on, the game will begin to be magnified probably by the entire college football world. Because I think that there will be strong arguments all year that one of Michigan, Ohio State, and Georgia are the nation's number one team, and it won't be close. There will be a a sizable drop-off after those three teams, a sizable drop-off. And Michigan and Ohio State having the better strength of schedule will, I think, help them, maybe not in the college football playoff rankings, but I think it would help them from... You know, people who really watch the game and the analytics to see that the two best teams in America will be matching up in Ann Arbor in the final weekend of the regular season, and I think that Ohio State will be 11 and 0 entering the game. They'll crush Notre Dame. I know that Sam Hartman looked good, but that was against a terrible Navy team. When he faces Davis and Igbenosin, Tommy Eichenberg, when Mike Hall just blows through the interior of Notre Dame's offensive line. And that's a good offensive line, but I just think Ohio State's D-line is near elite to elite. There will be issues. And Sam Hartman is a good he's a good quarterback, but when when pressure's in his face, when he faces a great defense and this this happened against Louisville last season, he darted up Clemson, but Clemson at the end of the day still was able to stop him from, you know, winning the game. And it happened against Clemson in 2021 when they had a much better defense in 22. When he faces a elite defense, Sam Hartman folds. It's a fact. Look look at the look at the Louisville game last year, where he had turnover after turnover. Look at Clemson in 2021. Sam Hartman's a good, great quarterback. He's not an elite quarterback. And with the skill set that Notre Dame has on offense, if Ohio State's defense is as good as I think it is. Notre Dame might have little to no chance in beating the Buckeyes this season. They'll be 11 0 entering the game. It will be a matchup of Titans. You will hear, just in your imagination, you will hear the running backs hit the opposing front sevens. You will hear the jeers or the silence or a pin drop in Michigan Stadium as Marvin Harrison Jr. torches Michigan's secondary and you will hear jeers when Donovan Edwards breaks off for another 70-yard run, etc. I think Ohio State will lose to Michigan twice, but the reverse could be easily just as true. And a split is very possible as well. I'm just believing in a bold prediction of mine that whoever wins in Ann Arbor will have the mental advantage and the confidence to win in the rematch as well. Ohio State, though, will win the Sugar Bowl— They'll avenge Georgia and go 12-2, clearly making an improvement compared to 2021 and 2022. The strengths of this team are an elite running back room, the best wide receiver room in the land, and a defensive line and linebacker room, really a front six due to the four-two-five scheme. Really a front six that is just all Big Ten, parts of it will be all American caliber. Ryan Day said about a week ago, that he was going to handle the majority of offensive play-calling duties, which came somewhat as a shock to me, but he did say that Brian Hartline will have input, and it sounds like Hartline, as he gains experience, will take on more responsibility, and and, and I think that's wise, very wise, because play-calling is a new thing for Brian Hartline, he's never called plays before, and Day is a genius at play-calling, The games where he failed as a play caller were the Michigan games. That's basically it. Every other game, maybe the Penn State game, maybe in 2022, but then slowly but surely by the end of the game, his play calling turned up, the team tuned up, and it was over. Also, JT Tuimolau existed, but that's another point. He's a great play caller. He's one of the best play callers in the nation. Now, None of the elite coaches have been play callers, and that was a point made in a Buckeye forum. And I think Day realizes that. I just think he's transitioning away, slowly. He's doing a slow, methodical—Ryan Day's a methodical coach. He's methodically changing away from what he knows, and he's evolving. Also, the game has not passed him by. This isn't Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino who have— who've let the game pass them by and they're arguing over which and well which inept offense do I run no I want to run my inept offense well I want to run my inept offense that that's not what's happening here Ryan Day will do a good job he'll teach Brian Hartline well and if Brian Hartline isn't good at calling plays well he goes back to being the wide receivers coach he'd probably be happy with that as long as you give him a raise or don't Lower his salary, and then you hire a better offensive play caller. This is Ohio State we're talking about. I think offensive tackle depth and play will be a weakness. Defensive end has a really high upside, but outside of GT Tui I don't see an elite player. Sawyer could be that, but I just don't see that happening this season. I think that him being in the jack position last year hurt his development, which is sad. And I also think that I just don't think he's as good as Tui Molau is. And then having Kenyatta Jackson and Caden Curry behind Jack Sawyer tells me that this room is full of good defensive ends, great defensive ends, but there's only one elite defensive end. So maybe it's not a weakness on a national stage. It definitely isn't. But for Ohio State, defensive end depth definitely could be a weak link in the chain. But maybe I'm wrong about Sawyer. And I think despite being eligible to declare for the draft, I think he'll return in 2024 to boost up his stock and be defensive end number one for the Buckeyes. Also, the defensive scheme and the nature of Jim Knoll's defense is a weakness. It just is. Now I have it as the number three defense in America. This defense by far will be near elite, has elite potential, Actually, I think it will be an elite defense. It's going to be great. But schematically, especially against teams that lean on play action, like Michigan, for example, or a team that has a great offensive line, good run game, they love to pound the rock, but they have explosive receivers who are fast, like Georgia, the I-want-to-zero-blitz-you type of attitude can really bite you in the butt. It's a really boomer-bust defense. And I think, I don't know, that could be a strength if used properly. But seeing how it was used last year in Ohio State's biggest moments, and how against Penn State, Michigan, and Georgia, Ohio State's three best opponents, it came across overall as a hindrance. Again, GT Chui Molau, not the whole defense, is what beat Penn State in 2022. I think that this defense could be a weakness. The ceiling is 15-0, being the best team in the nation, and along with Georgia, Michigan, the ceiling for those teams, those three this year, is being college football's best team of all time. That's the ceiling for those three teams. The floor is relatively similar. The differences out of those three teams, Ohio State has the toughest schedule, Georgia has the easiest, Michigan's is in the middle, but I would lean toward Michigan's schedule definitely not being neck and neck with Ohio State's, but I don't know if it'd be closer to Georgia's either. I think their schedule's underrated. So for that, I would say the basement for Ohio State would be going 10-3 and having a really disappointing year, but I think realistically the floor is just another 11-2 season. Thank you guys so much for watching this video about the Ohio State Buckeyes. I want to give a shout out to my Patreons. I have four of them, and I created a Patreon channel recently, so I encourage you to join or at least check it out through the link in the description. You will get weekly picks on point spreads, who's going to win the game for week one, week two, etc., and also some extra content. There will be a post either today or tomorrow, not talking about point spreads or game picks, but just expressing my thoughts on college football. Thanks to Spencer Bringhurst, who's an all-American patron, and also Will Loftus, Gabriel Calendar, and Roaming Gnome, who are all conference patrons. Remember to subscribe, like this video, and comment your thoughts down below. And also, have a great college football season, and tune in with me every once in a while. Check in, and I'll try and reply to your comment. Have a great day, guys.